Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Pebble Report Podcast, Episode 7 of the 2021 Minor League Baseball season, the finest hour of minor league coverage of your Colorado Rockies. As always, Justin Wick, Kenneth Weber, we have turned the calendar to August. I'm just, I'm not going to lie, this is, late summer is about that moment you can start to kind of taste the schedule coming to an end. We're able to soak up a key part of summertime for what's left here in August, it's a time to be thankful, man. Minor League action's back. This reflection point in 2021 is far different than it was in 2020. And Kenneth, I'm just I'm gonna go out here and say it. This this might be my favorite time of the year. I don't know if that's just me. It might be, man. Dog days of August is for players, man. When you're the one watching the games, it's way easier to sit back, relax, watch the playoff push happen. Uh, both minor league and major league. Major league is when you know it's it, the picture is starting to become a little bit more clear. But in the minors. Man, this is stretch time for sure. You're clawing it out, especially in the wake of 2020. We only had 60 games on the big league slate. We had zero games on the minor league slate, so you never know what the dog days are going to really roll through just in the minor league landscape, man. These guys are not necessarily primed to what's going on. Again, it's awesome as a fan. I mean, I love it. This is cool. We got excitement going on, but can only imagine how the aches and pains are treating some of these guys that did not suit up last year. So the stakes are even higher, I guess. I, I don't know if they are or not. They're always high in the minors. I don't know. There's a lot of dirt being rubbed <laughs> on a lot of things, though. They're, they're, they're pushing through. We're playing ball. We got box scores to look at. It's all good. It is what it is. We've got a whole lot of exciting stuff coming up on this program. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover the blazing fastballs of Julian Fernandez. Scorching up to 103 down there in Albuquerque. We're going to cover and all sorts fuego. of top. It's just ridiculous, man. I saw the tweet that got put together from the Isotopes account. I was like, I think they're having like radar gun errors or something, man. This is some serious stuff. Um, we're going to cover all top, I mean, all sorts of top minor league performers. We have decided to bring back the all-month team that we did. I know we did this earlier on in, I think it was our first ever episode this year. We're going to name the all-July team. Just, you know, staggering research put together by yours truly over here at Purple Row. I'm not going to lie, it was mainly Kenneth that put this together. I really need to give you a shout-out for this. The All-July team, your notes are fantastic, and I disputed few of your selections. So needless to say, we've got an absolute prospect guru on the other side of the screen with me right now. So big shout-out to lying about that. We had to change them all. <laughs> oh, I just geez. wrote Zach Veen 11 times, and he's like, you can't do that, man. So. 
There was some work. We're just going to go it. torrid through absolutely every organization with 11 <laughs> Zach Veens, man. <laughs> I take it. We're going to crank through the full schedule rundown for all minor league affiliates. We're going to send all you beautiful people off into the world with some invaluable minor league knowledge. But first things first, our recording date is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. I am currently sitting in my little desk slash cave watching the Astros take on the Rockies here on Tuesday night. John Gray just threw a foul ball. Um, I'm just going to be real. This is this is about as good as it gets, all right? You know, I understand that I, you're probably not watching a live Rockies game in the middle of this, but this is the first time I've ever actually filmed a Pebble Report podcast with a live baseball game on television. So, you know what? It doesn't get any better than this. Let's crank it out. I mean, Living the life. I'm going to have to make sure that I'm on top of my business, though, because i got a pretty good distraction going on with the Astros on the other <laughs> side. <laughs> We're going to open this thing up with Julian Fernandez, the absolute fireballer out there in AAA Albuquerque. Kenneth, I just I want to open this up to you. I know you were doing all sorts of deep research on this guy last night, as was myself. I know you're well-equipped. Let the world know about the legend that is Julian Fernandez. Well, it's like you mentioned, man, it's a 103-mile-an-hour fastball sitting in the Rockies minor leagues right now that wants to come out of the bullpen. So with all of the hype that was surrounding Justin Lawrence with his heater and, you know, his funky arm angle, uh, it's it's a similar thing, man, where there's this power arm that we know has a arsenal that can get away with mistakes at the big leagues. So that's the, you know, the biggest reason why we're talking about him now but his journey to even get to the 2021 season is a lot longer than what you might expect on the surface. Um, he's been in the Rocky system since 2012. He was a 16-year-old international signing. He kind of always had that gas, never really had a secondary offering that was very polished, very refined, and control was an issue. But, man, when you're 16 years old playing professional baseball, that kind of comes with the territory. But since he got into the system in 2012... He was a Rule 5 pick out of the Rocky system in 2017 by the San Francisco Giants. Didn't make the club because he tore his UCL that season, had to get Tommy John surgery. He then was a Rule 5 pick by the Miami Marlins from the San Francisco Giants, but was still recovering from Tommy John, so he never cracked their major league roster. Didn't get the innings accumulated, got put off of their 40-man roster, and by doing that, he actually got returned back to the Rockies who the Giants selected him from. So there's this three organizations over two years, didn't really pitch in any of those years. So coming back from Tommy John, 2018, he goes back, or 2018 um, in the Marlins system, goes back to the Rockies in 2019, still isn't ready yet. And then he misses all of 2020 due to the pandemic. Classic. So he's been sitting in the Rocky system, but he hasn't pitched since 2016. So now in 2021, he's a 25-year-old reliever who has five years off, basically, but still has some serious gas with that fastball. And he's been doing pretty well this year, all things considered. He started at AA Hartford this year. Uh, he threw 28 and two-thirds innings, 24 strikeouts to just 12 walks, only gave up 11 earned runs. While he was in Hartford, he got promoted to Albuquerque. He's thrown five and a third innings in Albuquerque since that promotion with five strikeouts, three walks. So not an egregious walk rate. Still kind of there with him a little bit, though. But more than anything, he's pitching with that same arsenal he had before. And he's doing it at the highest levels of the minor leagues and having a full healthy season. So this is the biggest reason to talk about him because this could be somebody that helps the Rockies big league bullpen pretty soon. You know, I definitely agree with all those points, you know, cranking through everything that's gone through in this guy's history. I think that probably what I tab a telltale sign that this guy is more prepared than people want to give him credit for is that he's pitching even better in the second half of this season than he did in the first half. What he put together in Hartford, he had a 3.45 ERA in a little over 28 innings in AA this year. He got called up to Hartford. Again, very limited body of work. We're only looking at like five and a third innings pitch since he got called up to AAA. But with that, he hasn't given up a run yet, which, you know, for the kids at home, that's very good. That's exceptional. Absolutely. So he's put together. It's it's fun to at least follow along with this. And I think that, you know, it's there's a lot of discrepancies that go on into this. I'll put this up. He had one blow-up appearance in AA on July 14th. He allowed four earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. And, again, I'm talking about 
yes, he's peaking near the end of the year. Well, he's kind of peaked the entire year, and that one outing on July 14th, I mean, I'm looking at how many runs he's given up this year. He's given up 29 runs. I'm, so, I'm sorry if that's hits. Goodness, wow. Somebody <laughs> cut this man off right here. Jeez. A little, little bit less to, like, if he's given up 29. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, boy, we, we were about to get shut down as a show right there if I didn't yeah, catch that Ryan one. Ryan Castellani numbers. <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's try this again. He has given up 11 earned runs in 34 innings pitched, which is good enough for a 2.91 ERA across AA and AAA this year. So, again, of those 11 earned runs that he's allowed, he gave up four of those earned runs in less than an inning. So it's very cool to at least monitor going. That's something that I feel like you really need to give the benefit of the doubt to for a lot of relievers, particularly when you recognize how much one outing can really swing things. If, you have, if mm-hmm. you're a closer and you blow up in that, that's part of why I think that monitoring ERA for a closer is very difficult, especially, you know, given the situation. Maybe it's a low leverage kind of situation. Maybe you don't anticipate getting up on a particular day. Maybe you're stuck in double A and you just kind of have to grind, grind out some work and figure out what's going on, which very much has been the case for a lot of what this young man has been working through. I guess he's 25 now, so he's not as young as we're accustomed to seeing him. But anyways, I want to transition into this just to kind of monitor when we start eyeing a potential big league call-up, um, there was an article that I actually put together. Hey, nice little selfish promotion on my part. Yeah, I put it together shout on, out. Jeez. I put it together on Tuesday morning about Yoli Chassin. He currently has the best qualified ERA among all Rockies arms in the current bullpen. I think the only ones that are ahead of him are Michael Givens, who got traded, um, just she- Jordan Sheffield, I'm sorry, Justice Brother. Jordan, he's on the 60-day DL, so he's not available, and his current ERA is the, one of the few that's actually better than what Yoli Chassin is looking at. So this is where I get excited. This is like the reason that I wanted to talk about Julian Fernandez today, dead serious. Is it better for the Colorado Rockies at the big league level to have a guy like him to stimulate the bullpen for everybody else? I guess the reason I bring this up would it be safe to reason, not that they need somebody to light a fire, because, I mean, there's already enough fire going on in the Rockies' bullpen. Let's just call it what it is. But would it be better for the collective when we take a look at the whole operation? Would Julian Fernandez be a guy that would really spark some life in the Rockies' bullpen? And for that, do you think that from, from a team standpoint, I'm not talking about his own development, but from a team standpoint, do you think the big league club should go and get this guy? I think it's definitely worth a shot, especially considering where the Rockies are at as an organization and at you know this point in the big league season. They're not pushing for the playoffs. Nobody's really kidding themselves, or at least we hope not. Um, that you know that they got to have guys who produ- who produce no matter what and get the job done. You got to have the opportunity to let this guy learn on the fly a little bit, throw throw him into the fire and. I think that it could be a breath of fresh air, and I think that the idea was to have Justin Lawrence be that guy earlier in the season. Um, I think that he was thrown, you know, they, they kind of had the, the kid gloves on a little bit when they first brought him up to the big leagues in some middle relief roles, but it wasn't very long before they started putting him in some pretty high leverage situations. And I think that it's not a bad idea at this season, you know, regardless of what point in the season we're at, from where the Rockies are at because they got to learn. And if they need to be the ones that produce in the big leagues next year, two years from now, when these guys are still under team control, let them kind of iron out the wrinkles now. Let them learn the hard way sometimes on what it takes to succeed as a big league reliever. Um, It's a good opportunity to have somebody like Fernandez, to have somebody like Lawrence, to have somebody like Gilbreth, you know, learn some of these things now. Get them out of their system so that, when the games really do matter, when there is meaningful baseball being played at Coors in August and September, a few years from now, they've experienced the growing pains to be ready for those moments. I think that's spot on. And I like your point that you're bringing up about Justin Lawrence kind of really incentivizing. Maybe he's the catalyst that was ultimately designed to really spark the bullpen. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to spark absolutely everybody in the ballpark when you're throwing up 99 from that sidearm slot that Justin Lawrence cranks through. So that yeah. was something that's something that got me really excited about what Fernandez could ultimately put together because 
Anytime you got somebody lighting up 103, there's a lot of eyes that are whipping across to the scoreboard, seeing what's going on. And at the very least, just for, I mean, just for sheer content, because you know, let's let's call it what it is. We're all fans of this game. We all love to see this stuff go on. And there's a reason that everybody was completely ravaged with Araldus Chapman when he first made his debut. I mean, people are still enamored by Araldus Chapman. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I. I'm curious to follow along, especially because Julie, Julian Fernandez is 25 now. He has yet to crank, he's yet to crack through to make himself a perennial figure at the big league level, and you're not necessarily looking at arbitration years. You haven't really started the service time clock. It's just you're really distancing to the fact that you know you're risking losing control of him as he approaches his. 30s type of thing so that's of course this huge hiatus from 2018 through 2020 when we didn't see any of him in affiliate ball that's very much the byproduct of what has gone on there and especially when he debuted in the rocky system at 17 years old this is a guy that has very much been waiting in the wings and we've just preliminarily started to get a taste of maybe this guy actually is big league ready so i don't i don't really know posing a question about this, but I guess just kind of a base level concern is I don't really know what there really is to wait for this guy. I understand that Ashton Goodell, when he made his debut with the Rockies, he was kind of an older prospect. And I feel like the longer you put guys on the back burner, especially as a reliever, it suggests that you don't really have kind of a degree of trust in them. And that's not to say that he should or shouldn't be trusted at this point in time. I mean, certainly his body of work this year suggests that he can take on any rigors that are thrown his way. But I am I'm concerned if they wait longer just out of the fact of how old he is. So I guess I could kind of twist this into a question of if he were three or four years younger, do you think that the Rockies might have a different strategy or do you think they mainly just kind of look at his natural progression through through double A AA and triple A and is it more based on the affiliates that he's been a part of or is it more based on the age of what he is just getting older in that kind of sense. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that the trust is there um, and not necessarily through any fault of his own. It's more having not pitched forever. Basically. I think maybe the age does come into it a little bit in terms of who they're trying to groom at Hartford at Albuquerque right now. So I think that that's my biggest takeaway is that he's just kind of fallen behind some other guys in the system. And when we talk about having an opportunity at the big league club, well, he's not the only one that they have in consideration. We've seen Bowden a bunch of times. We see Gilbreth. We see Lawrence. You know, there's there are only so many spots. Now, we can have the argument about whether or not we really want to see Tyler Kinley anymore or <laughs> things like that. You know, like oh, there, there could be some spots opened up, but if they're going to have the idea in mind of what their bullpen is, and then here's the spots that can be filled by the crowd, you know, by, by the field at large. Well, Fernandez is at least putting himself in a position to be one of those guys in that field at large who gets their opportunity. Um, and the Rockies just kind of have to, to take the chance on him. You know, um, when we're talking about his, his tenure in the organization, his, his lengthy history, basically of, you know, getting to his age 25 season and still being a will he or won't he be a major league pitcher, despite the fact that he throws 103. He reminds me a lot of Carlos Estevez in terms of, you know, there that's the longest long-term project that I can ever remember for any reliever on any team. <laughs> like, it's insane. Estevez has thrown like 600 games for the Rockies. It's insane how long he's been around and how long he's been working at it. But I think that there's also a lot of parallels on their abilities and why they've stayed around in the organization because the organization you can't walk away from a hundred mile an hour fastball but you need to see them develop as a pitcher you need to see them become responsible and somebody that they a manager can rely on to get crucial outs late in games with Estevez the fastball can play but only so much so he's worked a lot on the slider he's worked a lot on the changeup he's always been very good at throwing strikes but there kind of needed to be more to be able to get guys out. And I think Fernandez, while it's a little bit more command that's needed than where Estevez was at, it's not worth giving up on just because you're not feeling like they're they're ready yet. It's still transitioning, trying to get them in there. 
trying to get that stuff to the big league level to where they can be a good contributor for a team. So I think that the Rockies haven't given up hope on that, but having been in organized ball for eight years now, nine years now, the Ben Bowdens will show up. The Justin Lawrences will show up. The Estevises will, you know, be around and getting their shots too. So he's kind of, un, you know, has the misfortune of not quite having that spot made for him. But he's at least pushing the envelope, so that's good. It's amazing to see the way the Rockies have gone about. This might be kind of a distasteful way of putting it, but very much just kind of throwing something against the wall and seeing what's going to kind of stick right now, especially with Bowden and Stevenson, Lawrence, you mentioned Estevez, even if you want to go down the list to Yancy Almonte, which had an absolute exceptional year last year. Yeah. And, you know, you start realizing that, yeah, you're going double-digit ERA in that category. You knew, I mean, again, it's just a testament to the bullpen validity that really goes on. And, and all when you recognize, yeah, absolutely. This isn't just a Rockies thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it has very much been a Rockies thing, too. So, I guess, yeah. but, I mean, it's one of those, it's easy to kind of write this off as it is what it is. But I suppose in this, and I guess a source of optimism that Rockies fans can kind of pull out of this is that, there is a guy that is Julian Fernandez that is essentially waiting in the wings to be the next person of just kind of, again, throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks, seeing what kind mm-hmm. of is the next rotation of who isn't volatile in the bullpen game. And that's what a lot of people do. That's just the nature of the beast, and that's how it works. That's something that the Rockies had to do with, with I'm sorry, Adam Adovino back mm-hmm. in the wild card round of 2017 he didn't even make the postseason roster and now that's got it's making big bucks in the al east now so look at like tampa too Just, yeah i'm sorry to interrupt on that but like did you know peter fairbanks before last year jeez yeah no kidding you know so like there's there's the makings there where maybe if Estevez can just be a little bit better with it, he's at least established himself as a solid major league reliever. But if you get Bowden and Gilbreth and Lawrence and Fernandez to just kind of have those those learning or those learning experiences, get it out of their system and become reliable relievers, like that's a solid tough at bat for five innings. Or for you know you can make it for five innings if it yes. really had to go that way with it. But like it's a good bullpen that you can see if they actually develop it properly, you can see how that could, could be a thing in two years. It's fun. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's cool to be excited about these guys, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's something that is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, has very much been a rarity as a Colorado Rockies fan, particularly, I mean, the I, I revert back to the enthusiasm that I felt in December of... 2016 when wade davis jake mcgee brian shaw i was elated i'll be the first to admit this i was over the top excited when we land wade davis i cannot believe it of course we don't need to go into the specifics of what exactly happened there it is what it is um mix in a baseball reference search if you're still lost on that category there's a lot of fresh arms and they won't cost 108 million dollars exactly very that's what we're looking at and that, boys and girls, is why you tune into the Pebble Report podcast because we are about saving money here and we are about promoting the absolute bulldogs that, like Julian Fernandez, didn't pitch an affiliate ball for three years. Hey, man, oh, I, I'm goodness. rooting for him. Honestly, like, that's a long, long road for somebody, and he's been sticking it out the entire time, too. So, yes, he's worth rooting for, not only for the stuff, but also just, man, it's tough to get to the big leagues. 103 mile an hour fastball doesn't give you a guaranteed ticket there and he's yeah. he's evidence of that so it would be nice to see him succeed just on that personal level because he is kind of you know working through that struggle that it takes to to be a big leaguer and he's pretty close he's pretty close so it'll be cool if he gets there honestly that's one of the coolest parts of following the minor leagues and that's part mm-hmm. of the main reason i wanted to start off with julian fernandez is because of just how cool of a story it truly has been And there are stories like this that are all over the place, seriously. That's, again, a big reason that we try to mix up the talking points on this show to really highlight the quote-unquote Crash Davises of the minor league world. But, I mean, yeah, that would be a disrespect to consider Fernandez that. Crash Davis didn't have a 103-mile-an-hour fastball. (laughs) No, he just had the all-time record for home runs by a minor Yeah, there you go. Absolute grind. He was nothing. There's highs and lows, you know. (laughs) There's always the first-round big signing bonus guy, but the minor leagues is really made up of guys who are just going out there making a pittance, and that's a whole different conversation. But, like, 
it's it's the love of that of playing baseball that gets him to the big leagues. And sure. some people really have to strive for a long time without much of a safety net to do it, and he's one of those guys. It's going to make it all that much sweeter when we see Fernandez absolutely shoving up at the big league level. That's for absolute mm-hmm. sure. And that's part of the reason it's so joyous to cover the minor leagues is because hopefully it's going to come sooner than later. We don't exactly know how this whole Rockies bullpen is going to play out, but you know, let's let's call it what it is. The NL West is extremely top-heavy, and this is very much going to be a developmental end of the season for the Rockies, especially for a lot of these younger relievers. I understand, you know, we're here to talk minor league coverage, but at the big league level, I'm almost hoping that some of the more high-leverage late-game situations are, you know, spread the wealth a little bit. Go ahead and give mm-hmm. these guys some of this action and actually see how this comes together. Let these guys develop. And honestly... This might be an ideal circumstance for Julian Fernandez to really have a coming out party at the big leagues because if he throws bad, it's not like he's going to cost the Rockies a playoff berth. That's just the. Nope. If you've been following the club, you are well aware that the National League West is dominated by the state of California, needless to say. <laughs> but, anyways, I'm hopeful and I'm excited. I hope it comes together. And, you know, at the very least, we have somebody that the city of Albuquerque can seriously rally behind. And if you're down there in Albuquerque, along the southern portions of I-25, by all means, you're going to want to get yourself a ticket to an Isotopes game while you can. Come and check out this guy absolutely shoving 103-mile-an-hour fastballs, and come back and say that we told you so, because you know what? That's that's what we're here for, man. We're here to talk about the cool business. Do the thing, Julian. We're rooting for you. Keep doing it, baby. We're going to take a short break, but we will pick right back up with more coverage as we roll through the All-July team, a segment that has become a monthly favorite here on the show. Thank you guys for tuning in, and you are listening to Purple Rose Pebble Report Podcast. Welcome back, boys and girls. More minor league coverage to dive into, and we are here to throw a ton of names your way across the diamond. We are equipped with a full range of Purple Pebbles with the word July written on them. That isn't factually true, but it's figuratively true. That's for damn sure. They're We're on here back to crown. Yeah, there you go. We had to, we put them on reserve. We couldn't get them in here in time, but you know what? It is what it is. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> We're here to crown our own starting nine around the diamond. As the best performers in the system in the month of July. Let's get a sound bite going right here. Welcome to the All July team. We're going to start with the pitchers. We're going to roll through. We have one starter and we have one reliever. All right. This is truly like a starting nine, I guess. Yeah, a starting nine and a reliever. There you go. We got a lady. The reliever is also the DH. (laughs) We're doubling. We got Mm -hmm. this mixed up. We're going to go ahead and start with. Starting pitcher, Frank, Kenneth, take it over. Frank Duncan. Frank Duncan over in Albuquerque. He's actually Frank having a really, tank. really nice season. I mean, there's not a lot of highlights that are coming out there, but he's kind of been under the radar a little bit of really being a solid performer uh, for the Isotopes. In July, uh, he was 2-0. and He had 21 and two-thirds innings pitch. Gave up 17 hits, but only five earned runs in those 21-plus innings. Uh, two walks to 23 strikeouts. That's legit. That's that a big a great, deal. Yeah, that's a good walk-to-K ratio, 2.08 ERA. So in those upper levels of the minors, we've talked about it before, they're kind of hungry for some starting pitching to start coming around and supporting some of those bats that they have. Duncan has been doing that for the isotopes. At 29 years of age, seriously, we cover all facets of the young and old here on the Pebble Report podcast. The pride of the University of Kansas. I hope he's doing all right now that the Big 12 is having such a weird shakeup right now. But needless Rock to chalk. say... There you go. We're going to mix it up on the reliever side of things. We're going to go with a young man that has been called up to high A Spokane, and that is none other than Mr. Stephen Jones. In 12 games, 12.2 innings pitched, picked up two saves. He's got an ERA below one, which, again, very big deal, very cool stuff going on. In those 12 and two-thirds innings, he's picked up 12 strikeouts, He was promoted to Spokane on July 6th, so that's a very much a big body of work that he put together in the month of July in high A, which suggests that he has expedited his own performance in a hurry. Again, we're talking about a 24-year-old this time around, so he's very much on the clock of, he's definitely in the big league picture, he's in the big league picture, 
And for a relief guy, that could suggest that if he continues doing what he's doing, he may see an even more expedited trip to the big leagues. So that's going to round out our pitching staff. Frank Duncan, Stephen Jones. We need to get like a special jersey for these guys so then they're like all That's excited. some solid All-American pitching that we got going on there. <laughs> Frank Duncan and Stephen Jones. That's just that that's like straight out of the heartland names it mm-hmm. sounds like. Let's see. Stephen Jones went to Samford in Alabama. He was born in Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you baseball reference for pulling this up on the spot. Um, Frank Duncan, he was he went to high school in San Francisco. And then he went went to Lawrence, Kansas. Man, we, we're talking about a pretty serious travel dude right here. Got some Good heartland action. Good, nice, frequent flyer miles out of this young man. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take right. it now to the position players. We're going to roll through. You've got a pretty good marquee dude behind the dish. You know, we've talked about him enough on the podcast. This shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Who's our catcher? Dustin Garneau? <laughs> no, 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 no. Your oh, beat Tori Alba. Let's yeah, go. No, no, no. But Garneau is back. <laughs> we all know. No, it's Drew Romo. Um, so Romo missed some time in July. And honestly, the catching performances weren't superb across the levels. But Romo, when he was getting back into game action, he was solid. In 12 games played, he had a 313, 320, 354 slash. He also had four stolen bases. So this is just furthering the proof that Romo is adjusting to professional baseball with the bat better than most people expected that he would. So, uh, you know, he keeps on shining bright when he's on that field. Good month by Romo. Yes, and very cool, especially out of a high school draftee in 2020, the most abnormal of years. It's fun to see he's really getting his feet wet and catching on. Mm -hmm. We're going to move through, going over to first base, working our way around the diamond. We're going to go with the guy that has been shown as a corner infielder, but very much more of a first baseman than a third baseman. Talked about him earlier on in the month of July. That is El Juris Montero. He has put together an 831 slugging percentage in the month of July, and that is paired with an OPS of 1.298. Again, that is a four-digit OPS for those of you counting at home, so that's a pretty big deal going on right there. His slugging percentage is better than most people's OPSs. That's just insane. I know. I had to do a double take when we were putting together the statistics for this because I actually thought that that was like a typo. Yeah. I no, was no, no, that's way too big. Oh, it's not. <laughs> Jeez. Needless Tell to what say, the WRC Plus is. Yeah, absolutely. You start realizing. Yeah, speaking of which, WRC Plus of 234, which that's like, I mean, Jacob deGrom has like thrown that off from the pitching sense, but from the minor league offense sense, El Juris Montero is just getting it done. Very cool it's stuff right two. there. 12 homers, 27 two. RBIs. 234. <laughs> You know, anything above 100 is above average. He has, like, literally shattered that 100 mark. <laughs> that was good enough for him to be crowned AA Northeast Player of the Month. Um, again, we talked about on an earlier podcast. Make sure you check it out if you want a full recap. I won't bore you guys with a lot of the same info because all it pretty much says is how good he was. But, anyways, Stupid he's been good. sticking it out all year in Hartford. Hopefully we'll see a potential call-up going on right there. So that's first base. Kenneth, you got second base for us, man. Uh, yeah, second base, we went with Isaac Collins. Um, yeah. So he got promoted from, yeah, Justin's boy, Isaac My Collins. Guy. If you don't know there the reference, you, you didn't listen to all the episodes yet. Um, <laughs> but since he got promoted from Fresno to Spokane, he really hasn't missed a beat. Uh, in July, he went uh, 346, 435 for the on base, and 474 for his slugging. He also had four stolen bases, just like Romo, but. 12 walks for him as well, too. So a lot of patience. He's still that spark plug at the top of the lineup. Man, Collins is having a really, really good season to the point where he's getting a lot of love on the perp list that we're, we're generating, too, on the site. Um, does everything really well. And he's putting himself in a good position to be making a name for himself in this Rocky system and develop as, you know, a possible big leaguer here in the future. So Isaac Collins doing it in July at second base. You know, I'm not upset about the way we divided out these guys, but, you know, I really should have planned ahead so I could have covered Isaac Collins, man. That's a bummer. I really dropped the ball on that one. Just tell an embarrassing story about him right now. For those of you that are just confused as hell, Isaac Collins and myself were the former pride of Creighton University back in the day. Former teammate of my own. Cool stuff. Um, You know, I will add this as far as his own college experience. I know he did play in the Cape Cod League as well and received – a lot of reps in the outfield, which very cool, especially for somebody as quick as he is. He's a very like 
versed player that could definitely kind of see I mean, I don't necessarily think you'll see him on the corner infield necessarily, but kind of expanding, I guess, similar model to what Garrett Hampson has kind of done. Mm-hmm. I think that that could some, be something that we see out of Isaac Collins. That so superb again, athlete up the middle. Just awesome stuff right there. And just a cool dude. You know what? I can speak on behalf of personality right there. Isaac Collins is my dude. Um, we're going to go ahead and move over to the hot corner. Third baseman for this pick. I don't know if he's ineligible now because he just got called up today. Taylor Motter. I mean, if he got called up to well, actually, this is the July team, and mm-hmm. he didn't get called up in July. Also, I already list. did the list, so of course he's eligible. <laughs> and it's cemented because we're not going to go dive into research right now, people. <laughs> we can't Taylor move Montero back to third. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We're just going to go revert back to Montero first mm-hmm. and third. <laughs> oh, man. Taylor Motter, he was the AAA West player of the month in July. And mind you, the AAA West is a pretty big division with a lot of big time dudes. Um, again, Motter, kind of an older player. He put together a 5'11 on base percentage, which, yeah, anytime that number's above 500, that's a pretty big deal. Once again, four-digit OPS, 1.578. The cool thing about putting this list together is that you have to really be on your toes when you're compiling statistics because of how high they truly are. So just very cool stuff right there. Um, once again, big league experience for this guy. Debuted with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2016. Played for the Mariners 2017, 2018. Played briefly with the Twins in 2018. And just so happens to be designated hitting this evening. We're recording on Tuesday, August 10th. He's batting, I believe he's batting in the 8-hole as the DH, so... Stay on your toes, all you big league people out there. We got a guy that's been tearing it up in the minors and now just so happens to be suiting up inside Minute Maid Park. Tip of the cap, Taylor Motter. Let's go over to the shortstop. Yeah. Um, So this is going to be our third of four um, players who won player of the month for their respective leagues. So we already got Montero. We already got Motter. And now we have Warming Bernabel. And it might be Bernabel, it might be Bernabel. We don't know. There was a long the discussion. The pronunciations about how to are buried down there in the complex. But his league, first name, man. I am very confident, is Warming, which is weird and awesome at the same time. <laughs> but in the Arizona Complex League, he was doing work. Basically, he led the league in hits, RBIs, slugging percentage, and OPS. He also was second in the league in average with a 412 average, total bases, and six home runs. He also had 10 multi-hit games in July, and he just moved his way up to Fresno. So he's going to be in low A. He actually already is in low A, and he's going to be doing work over at shortstop for the Fresno Grizzlies. So our third player of the month from the Rockies organization, Warming Bernabel. Good man. stuff, man. He's uh, really warming up to the competition down there. Huh? Yeah. Also nice. another four-digit <laughs> OPS. I, I just I blew right. I, <laughs> I was right gonna past say that. I feel like, like a scrub now, like a summer breeze. <laughs> I blew right past that, but one point one five one OPS. I mean, like honestly, he he and Amador down in the complex league have been the two big prospects. And for people who don't aren't very familiar with it, the Arizona league has been around forever. It wasn't known as the Arizona Complex League. Um, before this year, which it has the abbreviation of ACL, which is weird to everybody who's been familiar with the Arizona anybody League. that's familiar with the NFL and terrified of the term ACL. That's yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the Rockies have never had a league or a team in that league. They have been like the only organization not to do that. And with the whole restructuring of minor league baseball, part of the deal was basically that the Rockies got a complex league team, and they've never had one to the chagrin of everybody, and now they're beating the snot out of everybody with that team. So it's a pretty cool thing, and you get to see guys like Amador and Bernabel do work, and now you get to see them in Fresno too. So really good, really talented player, really funny first name. Really awesome. I mean, that's, you know, not every day you get to talk about a dude named Warming. Like, yeah, that's, that's I shouldn't awesome. say funny, unusual. <laughs> it's unusual. All right, it's Kenneth cool. might be unusual to other people too. They can call me funny, that's fine. <laughs> but I don't mean it in a negative way. It's just perfect for, like, content. Just absolute mm-hmm. beautiful stuff right there. Yeah, <laughs> We're gonna a lot go of out puns to the... coming. <laughs> I'm just going to say, yeah, I need to refrain. I feel like it's distasteful if, like, people run with it. It's like when everybody had to talk about Josh Fuentes being 
Nolan's cousin. Like, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the only thing people are going to talk about when Warming Bernabel makes it up to the big leagues is his name. Like, no, this guy's a really good ball yeah. player, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he goes out and he has a three-home run game in his first week, and everybody's just like, all right, his name is Warming, but he's also awesome, so I guess we'll focus <laughs> on that. Nationwide t-shirts. That's what it's going to take to put the Rockies on the absolute map here in mm-hmm. the coming years. Don't say we didn't tell you so. There you go. we got a couple years to prepare, man. <laughs> you could say things We're... are warming up. There you go. There it is. I knew it was coming. <laughs> All right, that's. I we're had, gonna stick around. Yeah, there you go. We're gonna we're gonna stick around. <laughs> we just dismiss it. We're like, you know what? All right, that's enough. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna go out to the outfield rakes. We're gonna stay in the complex league. We're gonna go with the Dominican Republic complex league player of the month. That is Yankiel Fernandez. He led the DSL with 19 hits, put together seven doubles, 32 total bases. 16 RBIs, third in this respective league in slugging percentage, putting together 640. He was sixth in OPS, putting together 1.069. Nice stuff coming out of that young man. And seriously, just another cool optimistic sense, you know, especially when we've got, we're going to go on and we're going to talk about another young outfielder. I won't give it away, but let's just be real. You know what's coming with another one of these outfielders if you follow the Mm. program. But again, very cool to see that there's another young outfielder that's really putting this together, and there's a lot of potential upside. This is somebody that we could see with another expedited path through if he continues doing what he's doing. And, you know, you mix in Benny Montgomery into the mix, this could end up being a very cool, projectable sense of maybe the Rockies are really going to have a lot of key outfield pieces that are coming up through the ranks in the coming years. Yeah, we've talked about the A-ball levels through a lot of the season, but now that the complex leagues are getting rolling, you see there's even more young talent on the horizon, too. And Bernabel and Fernandez are two examples of that, for sure. Um, I'll keep it moving. We didn't do a traditional left-center-right for this one, but if we were going to put a center fielder, why not be Ryan Vallade? That'd be not a great idea defensively, but he is (laughs) our second outfielder for our July uh, Player of the Month squad. Uh, In Albuquerque, he put up a 314, 368, 453 slash, 18 runs, five stolen bases in 22 games. It was a good rebound from June. Um, a lot of people who are familiar with the Rockies organization, especially with the ones you know that are on the cusp of being on that major league squad, Vallade has kind of been that position player throughout most of the season who most are expecting to be called up. If he was going to go into a prolonged slump through June and into July, that really could have jeopardized his position for that September call-up. But it was a good bounce back. You know, he's he's on the precipice of being able to come up and be a corner guy, especially since Colton Welker, who is back now, hasn't had a lot of reps this year. He kind of took the reins as that next in line to get a promotion to the Rockies or uh, Major League team. So good month of July really kind of improved his chances of getting that September call up. You know, you mix in a futures game on top of that for Ryan Mm -hmm. Blade. That's definitely a pretty cool month of July for that young man. You can't help but wonder, too, I mean, what's the enthusiasm that comes out of playing in the big league park for the futures game? I can only imagine that, you know, you probably ride that high for quite a while if you're suiting up at the all-star ballpark. So very cool stuff. Ask Toglia, man. He went yard. No kidding. left center in his future (laughs) home yard. I feel like that would be such a cool situation, especially for the homegrown dudes that are playing in their own park. And it's fun to see that Valade really put together the month of July, even after mm-hmm. playing in that game. You know, mind you, a lot of that body of work came after he played in the Futures game. We're going to roll through another dude out there in Fresno. Um, this list would just be, like, not even valid if we didn't put this guy on. Zach Veen, why not? Slash line of 300, 372, 620. 992 OPS. This guy didn't crack the thousand mark, man. What the hell? Unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> he was he so pretty close. much did absolutely everything else. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. I think they just stopped pitching to him for the most part. <laughs> that like, might be true. There you stop go. hurting us. Just stop, Zach <laughs> Veen. That's how it's last. That's actually week a very was. valid point. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. He was nuts, though, man. He it's was fun not, to see, I, I mean, especially that he's starting to really launch the ball. He put together 23 RBIs. Again, I get that's very much contextual based on who's on the base mm-hmm. paths, but a lot of those RBIs came from nine long balls. Like, he just, out of the middle of nowhere, just went on a torrid streak in the middle of July, leaving the yard. Scored 25 runs, so he's definitely showing up. I mean, just putting the club on his back in a lot of situations, which, you know, that's something to be said for a guy that's as young as he is. So, again, low A West player of the week from... The 7th through the 18th of July. Kenneth, tip of the cap, dude. You putting together all of these, talking about 
player of the month, player of the week. Like that's, I, I don't want to fangirl you too hard right here, but that's like tough research. Like that's awesome, man. Hey man, it, it took a little bit of digging, but it's what's the funny part about it is for the first half of July, at the very least, if not three weeks into it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Zach Veen was going to be the player of the month in the low A West. And out of the four players of the month that the Rockies had in their minor league system right now, Zach Veen was not one of them, even though he was just an absolute monster. Nine of his 13 home runs on the season came last month. That's he just, just went insane. absolute bananas video game stats for the month for the most part. And we still have four other guys to highlight in the system who were just as crazy, if not more so, than Veen was. Um, but it is super cool to also see just that 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 difference maker, man, that 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 star potential kind of took over for Veen this month, and he gets you really excited about what he might be able to do in the years to come. It's just so much fun to be able to get optimistic about that, and especially from somebody that's so highly touted. You mm-hmm. know, this is a guy that we certainly hope is around for the long haul, and we've got another guy that we want to mention. I, I do want to cover an honorable mention guy that we kind of discussed. That is Nico DiColati, um, the pride of Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado's own, might I add. Um, mm-hmm. he's been playing in high A Spokane. He's raised his average from 217 to 244 in a month. And his on-base percentage, he went from 307 to 338. So we didn't necessarily give him the pebble here, but I, I mean, I do want to give him some love just because he really heated up in an otherwise kind of pretty cold start of the season. He's really started to come into his own and that's all thanks to what he's put together in July. So the early candidate, if you're putting together the gambling lines for who's exactly going to be on the August all-purple-row pebble-report team, geez, I just really butchered that name right there. I I guess we don't have a formal name for this quite No, 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 no. It was money. (laughs) Needless to say, Nico DiColati, he's a guy to be able to have some optimism for. So going around the diamonds. Yes, absolutely. I'll just throw throw one more because, you know, it was close. Collins was amazing, but so was Alan Trejo, and he's somebody that we've seen a little bit. Um, with the Rockies as well, too. But he had a great month um, down in Albuquerque. He had a 304, 316. He had a 707 slugging um, in, Al- or, yeah, excuse me, in Albuquerque this month at second base. So, I mean, a, a 1.022 OPS, he was, he was kind of nutty down in Albuquerque. So he's somebody that also deserved consideration for July. Sure, and definitely putting together a sizable body of work. It's fun to be able to see that there's a lot of guys at this, and especially, I mean, just within positional competitions, too, that you've got a lot of guys that, you know, they may not see each other on a regular basis being at different levels of the affiliates, but definitely recognizing that, you know, there are some guys that are really close as far as, you know, just a a couple more better at-bats would have put them on this list, but they definitely deserve a big shout-out as well because they had a tremendous month. And they're definitely laying the framework for what can only imaginably be an expedited path all the way up through the ranks. There it is. Yeah. Sorry, a Nico. Sorry, sorry Alan. We only got nine spots. They get like a gray pebble. Or they get like the little chip. I don't know what yeah. they get. <laughs> the seats are green. The rest of the seats aside from the purple row. So they get that there you go. Green yeah, you pebble. get the green. You get the green pebble. If you're not quite yeah. you're not quite a mile high, you get the green one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We still love you, but have your rock. Good business, man. I mean, we've got 10 pebbles in all that we're handing out, so this means they're more rare than the amount of Olympic medals that were handed out this summer. So how about that? you got some elite company if you just heard your name called right there. And as always, congratulations. One of the the more fun recurring segments that we put together. A lot of fun digging up the research on that. And I also want to thank all you guys that are commenting on our Purple Row articles giving us a shout-out for some of the premier top performers that definitely mm-hmm. deserve recognition. You know, big tip of the cap for you guys for really launching a discussion like that. And it makes it a whole lot of fun to put together this podcast when we realize how diligent, how like enthusiastic the fan base is that definitely tunes into this show on a recurring basis. So big thank you for you guys. We're going to take one more break here on the podcast. Coming up next is the weekly rundown of all four affiliates. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Purple Row Pebble Report Podcast. Welcome back, boys and girls, to the Pebble Report Podcast. As always, the closing touches of each episode. This is the rundown as we look back and look ahead at all four minor league affiliates. 
and where they're headed, what they've been doing, and how they've been rolling through it. Starting all the way at the top, AAA Albuquerque. Currently, they are concluding a series with the Oklahoma City Dodgers. They have gone 3-2 and two thus far in the first five games of the set. As I cheat and I look at the score right now, and my MLB minor league coverage thing just froze. Very nice. Um, I was there. There you go. It is the bottom of the third currently in Albuquerque. And the Dodgers, the Oklahoma City Dodgers, that is, they lead 3-2. to two. So on pace to be a 3-3 split, but again, we got six innings to roll through. Um, yeah, you guys will probably know the result of this ballgame by the time this podcast is published. So incentive for you guys to check that out. Um, <laughs> next week, Albuquerque does go on the road to the Sugarland Skeeters, making their way to Constellation Field in Sugarland, Texas. That's a great name for a field. That's pretty like intense, man. I imagine their lighting system is like over the top. Constellation mm. Field, man. Do they have bad lighting or good lighting? Because I mean, if it's bad lighting, that means you can see the constellations. I don't know. I think Constellation actually <laughs> is a power company, so we probably shouldn't bash their power system. As far as oh, I'm concerned. Man. You know, I believe, sight, I imagine the AAA squads, they probably get to fly when it gets that long of a distance. But speaking of which, I can only imagine the trip from, if you had to take a bus from Sugarland, Texas to like Rainier, the yeah. Tacoma Rainiers, that would yeah. just be absolutely brutal. Ugh. So needless to say, one of the more distant teams as far as geographic AAA West is concerned. But that's where they're headed after that. Beyond there, they're going to Vegas. How about it? A little Las hey. Vegas Aviators action. So, again, that'll get us through a significant part of the month of August, that is. Anyways, in A Hartford last week, the Yard Goats went 3-3 three and three against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. The Goats outscored the Cats by a score of 38-32. to 32. That's largely due to a blowout win last Wednesday, so it's not really fair to evaluate all six games collectively score-wise. But, hey, they outscored them, and they split the series. So, yeah. we had to find a tiebreaker somewhere. Um, this week, <laughs> Hartford is on the road for the second consecutive week against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. We just talked about the Rumble Ponies in the last episode. I am so we pro used up Rumble all of our Ponies. Jokes. You know, we can't say the same stuff we said before. So, I mean, we can at least highlight what they did in the last set. The Goats went 2-4 and four against Binghamton at the end of July and into August. Beyond that, we've got an absolutely disastrous schedule in double a let's just call it what it is hartford again takes on the new hampshire fisher cats next week so that is a combined 24 games against the same two teams needless to say the goats will not see either of them for the remainder of the year after next week's series you know i imagine that's probably kind of fun interaction between each team like you're almost friends with the other team by the end of this stretch at that point but yeah I, I, I mean, hey, imagine. there's camaraderie, and you feel for him a little bit because it might get old, but, hey, we're running out of material on this, all right? They kind of need to move on a little bit. <laughs> we have such good team names in AA that, you know, we don't get me wrong, I'll have every excuse in the book to talk about the Rumble Ponies, seriously, but, you know, we're kind <laughs> of running. <laughs> by the end, though, they're going to be like, if he says Rumble Ponies one more time, I'm just going to snap. The amount of listeners that we have lost simply mm -hmm. due to Binghamton's name. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. We'll go ahead and go down the list. Hi, A Spokane. Last week, they went 4-1 and one against the Everett Aqua Sox. The game on Sunday was postponed, but Spokane had great showings for the games that they were on the field. Side note, the Everett Aqua Sox have a frog mascot, and he has red eyes. It's just terrifying. If you actually like mix in the Google search. Yeah, there you go. Look, look up on Google. Everett Aquasox mascot. I want to give a bonus shout-out. This has nothing to do with the Rockies, but my college roommate, Evan Johnson, actually plays for the Everett Aquasox. So I am a closet Aquasox fan. So needless to say, I'm, I'm sorry, you all. All right, I seriously, I, I, do a, I feel like I do a pretty good job covering the minors. All right, let me have my Everett Aquasox moment right here. I've been waiting for this series for a long time. <laughs> let Spokane win, but let Evan have a good series. If Evan too. comes in and dominates, there you go. You guys know I'm going to be absolutely glued to some high A action in that series. That is our stance. <laughs> Man. Anyways, this week Spokane is on the road for a six-game set against the Tri-City Dust Devils. i got to admit, I, I text Evan a lot back and forth, and we were clowning about the mascots in that particular region of the minors in that league. And he was, he was sending me pictures of 
the Everett mascot and the Tri-City mascot. So that's the yeah. only reason that I even know what they look like. Again, good little Google search. Check out and look and see what the mascot costume is for the Tri-City Dust Devils. All right, You got some insider info from a source, from a primary source itself. There we go. I feel like at this point we're starting a petition to get Tri-City to change their name and their mascot. (laughs) You know, it's Like, we're kind of dunking on them every time. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad bashing on them, and it's too bad that that, like, league up there in high A is a pretty small league because, again, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm clowning about us talking about the Rumble Ponies as much as we have. It seems like every other podcast I say something to just absolutely bash the Tri-City logo. But, like, I mean, I know that you guys have probably looked it up by now. Take a look and just just see what this. I I don't think they've changed the logo for the Tri City Dust Devils since the fifties. Like, yeah. I I think it was it scanned shows. on like one of those old projectors and traced with a colored pencil a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta stop just trashing people. We gotta clean it up here. Yeah, it was made before color pencils existed. We get it, boy. You know, it it looks like it. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> it's too bad all of our affiliates are also on the road this week, or else we'd have some really cool promotions to talk about. So mm-hmm. Spokane is back at home against the Hillsboro Hops next week, and they do have a promo going on. For all six games in that set, so check out their site and find out what Storybook Princess Night on August 21st. They got, they got fireworks that night, too. So that's like, I mean, we kind of have to long-term project out the different promotions that are going on. But, you know, that's 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 one that's kind of new. I've never heard of Storybook Princess Night, and I don't know if you're going to want to miss that one. So if you're in no. Spokane, by all means. Make sure to bring your tiara. <laughs> I want to know what they're going to do. Is that like a pregame festivity or is it like the mid-inning promos? Are they, are they going to have special jerseys or something? I don't know. I'm, I'm just imagining like walking around Disney World or something like that and you have all the, <laughs> the princesses around you. I feel like that would be the atmosphere on the concourse for that promotion night. Watch it just be an absolute sellout and everybody's like, this is what it took to get people to the ballpark. How about yeah. it? There I'm we like, go. all right. <laughs> I took notes. We know now. Man. Somebody's marketing genius out there in Spokane. Just wait for it. <laughs> yeah, Tri-City. Going on down. Yeah, yeah. and Tri-City. Goodness. <laughs> we just can't leave it alone. Oh, boy. We're going to get shut down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the final rendition of the Pebble Report podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We'll go down to Low A Fresno. Last week, they were 2-4 and four at home against the San Jose Giants. Two former San Francisco Giant affiliates between Fresno and San Jose. I imagine that's really weird now that they're playing against each other um a promotion last saturday they had peppa pig night so for those uh, just all kinds of storybook prisoners princess and little peppa pig i mean that was dora the explorer next dora night let's go yeah absolutely it's got to be on the calendar somewhere (laughs) we're coming up out of the woodwork just the most obscure of details Mm -hmm. this week low a fresno they are at home against the stockton ports Short little drive from Stockton to Fresno. Um, This might be the marquee promotion, and all of these promotional discussions have been in place to highlight the most coveted of minor league promotions in the Rockies system. It's Fresno Tacos Night. Tacos! There you go. I don't know if the apostrophe is included in the Fresno rendition, but I'm pretty sure it is now. Rocky Twitter it wasn't before. There you go. If it wasn't before, it definitely has to be now. And if you want to look like the coolest dude at Coors Field, get yourself a Fresno Tacos hat. Everybody's going to be like, that guy knows what he's doing. That's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. He knows what's up. I think we (laughs) missed the Albuquerque uh, Green Chili Burgers. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, Jerseys. Wasn't that last week? They had something going on. I think it was last week. That's right. That was a marquee one. How could we forget? That was prime. Uh, man, we, I, I hear tacos, and I just get tunnel vision, so that might be on me. <laughs> I heard princess and tacos. I really had no chance. We really just, you know, it's been a wild last 10 minutes of the show. Just There's only so much capacity. You don't know what's coming up next. <laughs> got nothing. Bash Tri-City, check. Princess, check. Tacos, check. Rumble ponies. Yeah. Dude. All set. <laughs> I squirreled too much. I forgot about green chili burgers. Oh, man. My B. <laughs> Lest we forget, I also want to give a shout-out to the Complex League in Arizona, of course, the Dominican Summer League. Their schedules aren't necessarily as, like, six-game clear-cut sets of series. So they're playing ball. Yeah, they're, they're playing down there. I don't want to overlook them, but, you know, 
there's not a whole lot of promotions going on on the spring training backfields. So, you know, it, it's, it might not be as cool or exciting to talk about those, but they are still playing and it's still really awesome. And it's still mm-hmm. really cool to see really good ball players in an intimate setting. If you're in the Phoenix slash Scottsdale area, by all means, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's just a pretty easily accessible way to watch some really good ball. And if you're a diehard like Kenneth and myself, by all means, get over to Salt River Fields, check it out, go to work. Yeah, cool check stuff. out these dudes who can really play some ball on the ground floor. Like, it's it's That's a really cool, unique man. experience. If anybody's been down to spring training and they got to see some of the B-field action, it's it's a similar experience in my eyes where you just get to see pure ball players going at it. It's a really cool thing. You might have to battle the Arizona Heat a little bit, which that's another wild card in the system. However, you know, if you want to get your tan on, you want to hang out, have a good time in a real intimate environment, by all means, that's like the marquee setup for you guys to soak up some ball. Lots of sunscreen. Um, There you go. Yeah. Double up on the sunscreen in the water. No kidding. Stop (laughs) at the gas station on the way in. (laughs) We're going to roll through our final segment. As always, we like to close out the program with our breakout player to watch. One player in the next week that could turn heads or do something cool. I can confirm, Kenneth picked a guy that started today, and he had a really good outing. He did pick him before the really good outing, so this is the first time that at the time of filming this podcast, we can absolutely confirm that this guy is already off to a good start. There you go. I rolled out the red carpet for you. All right, here we go. It's Ryan Feltner. (laughs) We're doing Ryan Feltner. He's my breakout player to watch. He looks like he's going to have a two-start week, as Justin mentioned. His first start was tonight, so... Call me a cheater if you want, because maybe I could have changed it if he got lit up a little bit. But the problem is, (laughs) Ryan Feltner doesn't really do that. Like, it's not a breakout player to watch, because that's what his whole season has been. He only has one start this season in 16 games where he's allowed more than three runs. And in 10 of those 16 games, he's he's allowed uh, two runs or fewer. So he is just putting together this huge body of work in his 2021 season that is incredibly impressive. And it's really hard to look at any other pitcher in the Rockies minor league organization and say they've been better than Ryan Feltner this year. So, you know, it's I could have picked Feltner every single week and I would have looked really smart for doing it. But at the very <laughs> least, I'm giving him some love right now. He's gone into the sixth now, actually six out of his, or he's gone at least into the sixth. In six of his last seven games started. So he's starting to get deeper into games. He's starting to go through the third time through the order. You know, they're really grooming him. And this is looking like a really good starting pitcher that we have coming up through the system. And he just keeps on doing it. So Ryan Feltner, he's my guy this week. You know, that seems like a pretty safe pick. I mean, I'm not bashing you for it. That's a pretty good nah, selection just because, well, yeah. No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm bummed out because I should have picked him. Let's be real. I want to look good like that. <laughs> No, it's it's fun to be able to recognize somebody that's really displaying consistency at that level in the minor leagues. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely backing in on that. Um, I'm going to go with, I don't know if this is an obscure pick, but this is going to be a little different angle for my selection this week. I'm going to go with Michael Baird, right-handed pitcher out of Double-A Hartford, alumnus of Legend High School in Parker, Colorado. He is currently teammates with Max George from Regis High School up there in Aurora. Teammates with Reagan Todd, also from Regis High School. So there's a big reunion going on out there in Hartford for a bunch of Colorado kids. And I'm feeling a hunch that Michael Baird, the man himself, is going to settle in some very solid showings. You know, I can only just imagine the comfort level surrounded by familiar dudes. Sure, it can be pretty intimidating when you're making a jump up to double A like that. But he's got a lot of familiar dudes around him to recognize that this is just the same level of ball that he's been playing his entire life. I mean, I guess it isn't literally the same, but it's pretty cool to look at this going, yeah, these are guys that I'm familiar with. We're going out. We're having a great time. And, you know, I can only imagine if you got your old buddies together from your hometown and suited up in double A, just how awesome is that, first of all? That's a big reason I wanted to pick Michael Baird. So I'll get down to some numbers here. Baird has thrown as many as four innings, as few as two-thirds of an innings in seven outings in double A this year. So a very flexible role. It seems like they're starting to resort to him more of a short reliever. He was previously in the Complex League, so huge jump for this young man after signing on with the Rockies. He was previously in the Cardinals organization, so it's not like it's a completely foreign jump by any means. He does have previous experience. His strikeout percentage of 31% so far, that's pretty strong. 3.12 ERA, a big discrepancy with a 4.68 FIP. So that big range, I think that he's got a chance at at improving those figures as some of the double-A routines become normal and he's able to develop an even more sophisticated comfort level. 
So again, a different pick that's kind of coming out of the woodwork, out of the middle of nowhere. I get that that might not necessarily play as clean as a guy like Feltner, for example, but I think the recipe's there. If I got to go out on a limb, Michael Baird, Double A Hartford, right-handed pitcher, killing the game out there. Good dude. Super too, solid, so. super solid addition to that Hartford squad too. We've talked a couple of times about how you know they've been hurting for pitching a little bit with their Feltners, really cementing himself pretty well. Well you know, getting close and, um, Baird, you know, just add those reinforcements. And if it hits, well, we're talking about Taylor Motter on the day of his promotion. Sometimes if you add that guy and it clicks and he does well, you know, it can, it can take off. So Baird might be that dude. You never know, man. It's so much fun to follow along, especially people that are getting picked up by multiple organizations and just continuing a really diverse journey throughout the entire country and just keeping at it. I mean, he was released for a period of time. He persevered enough throughout that release phase that he was able to get picked up again. And, you know, just tip of the cap to the grinders, man. Michael Baird's one of them. Just a, Looking just at you dude. too, Ashton Goudeau. <laughs> I was going to say, I think Goudeau is just an absolute wild card of the mix yeah. right there. I don't He's know the poster child for the DFA carousel. <laughs> but, hey, man, he made it. He got some big league innings going with the Rockies, so good man. on you too. Just so cool, and it's just it's easy to be happy for dudes like that oh, yeah. too. It's just definitely fun to watch that come together. Yep, happy for him. <laughs> and Baird, you're gonna do it too, man. We believe in you. There you go. Start getting the pebbles ready for August, baby. Here we go, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for checking out the Pebble Report podcast. We have so much to be thankful for. Seriously, it's great to get together, talk baseball with all of you guys, and seriously, all of you listeners, you guys are the best for checking out this coverage. Special shout-out to our podcasting counterparts here with Purple Road, the Affected by Altitude podcast with Mac Wilcox, Evan Lang, Skylar Timmons. Be sure to keep checking in on all the good stuff on the Purple Row website as well, and be sure to give Kenneth and I a follow on Twitter. Keep up to date with all of our cool insights in real time at KDub1988, at JustWick. On top of that, of course, all sorts of good stuff on the Purple Row main account on Twitter as well. Until next time, this has been the Purple Row Pebble Report Podcast, and let's play ball.